Good morning. Why are you a Christian? Damon just led us in a song just recently, Oh, the Glory Gates. And my mind got off of my notes and got focused a little more on heaven. And just, if you were here a little bit earlier, we, we, this is what you said. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, we said, what a day, glorious day that is going to be. I'm confident I can speak for you all this morning. You are not here because of what we're facing in the world today. But we're here this morning to worship the Lord because of the hope that we have of someday, as we talked in a Sunday school lesson, someday soon, we're going to be leaving this world and meeting our Savior face to face. Did you ever, and as I look around, I think I can answer for many, the answer is yes, did you ever go to the eye doctor? And like I said, I can, I, much, a number of you have glasses, so you've been there. And if you've been there, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're not, let me tell you a little bit how it goes. He does a little, for eye exam, sometime through the examination, he'll put that picture on the wall, which we're all very familiar with, and he'll say, okay, how far down can you read? And you're sitting so many feet away, and you start reading. Then he gives you this uh, plastic piece that cover your left eye, read again, cover your right eye, read again. And by doing that, eye doctor can say uh, if your vision's good or if you need corrective lenses. At the eye doctor, they say 20-20 vision is average or normal, and which means you can see well. And I hope everyone here this morning is thankful for your eyes. I know I am. 20-20 uh, vision, when you have that, there's a lot you can see. And this morning, as you're looking this direction, I have a good idea what you're looking at. But as we go through life, there's a lot we can see with 20-20 vision, but there is some things, or something I'd like to talk about this morning, that you cannot see. And as you're sitting there looking, you know by, since I'm moving and talking, I have a heart. But you, with good vision, cannot see what is in my heart. As good as your vision is, even if you would whip out your binoculars, you could not see what's in my heart. And this morning... It's our council service. It's a service we hold twice a year uh, prior to communion. But this service this morning is not that we are here this morning trying to find out what is in the hearts of other people. But it's a time rather of self-examination. A time to search our heart. A time to search our ways. A time to purge out the leaven, so to speak. A time of deep inner inspection and cleansing if it's uh, required in order to be prepared for our communion service on September 11th. As Ray mentioned, the questions, uh, the, it's a paper council. The questions are, are in your mailbox. Do you have peace with God and your fellow man? Is it your desire to live by and uphold the doctrines and principles of Jesus Christ and his church? And are you planning to participate in the communion service here on September 11th? Papers are in your mailbox. Fill them out. Try to get them back to me at the time listed there on the paper. Three verses just to get our minds thinking about a communion service. Lamentations 30, verse 40. Let us search our ways and turn again to the Lord. Now there it appears like people have turned away in, in that setting there. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. 
excuse me, there we see we are to examine ourselves. And the next verse is examine as well, 2 Corinthians 13, 15. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, and to prove your own self. What is a council service? A time through the avenue of prayer, through the avenue of fasting, through time of meditation, through taking the time to read the scripture. We do that. Why? So we can ever come so near to God. And in that process, we'll purge out the, any besetting sin and impurity in order that we can gain new strength. So that why? So that we can walk in love and meekness and humility and in self-denial all as we follow the example of Jesus Christ. It's a time of seeking a blessing from God as well as building unity and strengthening the unity within the church. I encourage you to think soberly and intently about God's work on behalf of the church. Think about what God is doing here. Because those who think properly about God's love and the call uh, of God to his people, those people will be best prepared to benefit from the communion service. Are we taking the time to meditate and think about a God? Are we preparing for what lies ahead? Back to the eye doctor, he can recommend what we need for better vision, but normally the eye doctor does not deal with the heart. So today is a time of self-searching, allowing the Holy Spirit to direct and prompt to show us where or if change is needed so we can partake worthily. More questions. Why do we go through this process twice a year? Well, I think we're all well aware that we're living in a fallen world. And throughout the last six months, did we allow a temptation or a lust to take root within our heart? And we're talking about taking care of what's in our heart then we could also say, well, wait a minute, a few minutes ago, we saw that even 2020 vision, we can't see what is in people's hearts. So why do we need to go through this self-examination service? No one can see what's there. And if I don't tell no one, no one's going to know. So why? And I'll answer that question by reading a couple verses in 1 Samuel 16. You can turn there if you wish. I'd like to read the first 13 verses in 1 Samuel 16. Here we have Samuel, uh, I mean David being anointed by Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which was Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he anointed Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance 
or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I'll pause there just for a second. The title of the message this morning is, The Lord Looks at the Heart. The Lord Looks at the Heart. Verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and asked him to pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come thither. And he came and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went up to Ramah. The, the title again, The Lord Looks on the Heart. 2020 vision cannot see what is in the heart, but the heart is what the Lord sees when he looks at you. A few weeks ago, actually it was a week ago from Saturday, yesterday, I was talking to one of my cousins at a, at a family uh, get-together, and this cousin of mine is a little bit younger than I am, and he had a stroke a number of years ago that affected his vision. And he, we were there talking, and he was standing probably about, about this far away, just like you do when you talk to someone, and he said, he was talking, I was talking about his sight, he said, well, when I look at your nose, I can't see your eyes. But he said, if I look at your eye, I can see your eye. So he's, what he's seeing, he's seeing through a very narrow window. Now, we were at a park, and across the way, I'd say about 500 feet across the, the ball field, was a sign up on, on, up on a, an auditorium. I think it said uh, Terry Hill Memorial Park. And he said, when I look at that sign, I see one word. So if he looked at the sign, he sees the word park. And I, I didn't see him do it, but I guess as he moves his face, his eyes, he can see the whole thing. And if you and I would look at that, well, when I looked across, I, I could see that you could read the whole thing. And I felt sorry for my cousin. He basically sees through even smaller than that. Even like that, I can see almost everybody. But he says he cannot see out either side. And I was kind of surprised when he's standing three feet away that he can't see my nose when he looks at my eyes. But that, there's the situation my cousin is dealing with. But on the other side, when the Lord looks at you, brothers and sisters, the Lord sees your entire heart. The Lord sees your entire heart. And so the question you could ask yourself this morning, what does the Lord see? Or what is the Lord seeing when he is looking down on us here this morning? Back to 1 Samuel 16, King Saul was chosen by the people based on his physical appearance. You remember the story of Saul, how the people thought you know, he was the head taller than anybody else. We want this guy to be our king. But Saul was rejected by the Lord because of his disobedience. Samuel said, do not sacrifice till I come, and he disobeyed. So the Lord tells Samuel to go to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, and anoint one of his sons to be the king. The story which we just read. And I think Samuel had a legitimate concern. I said, wait a minute, Lord, if Saul finds out what I'm doing, he's going to end my life. 
but nothing too difficult for the Lord. The Lord said, that's fine. Take a heifer long until Saul is going to go to sacrifice. And the Lord provided specific instructions for Samuel. And Samuel obediently did as he was told. At this meeting, we get down into here to verse 6. Along comes uh, Jesse's oldest son, Eliab. And Samuel looks at him and said, I, rep- I read again. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. By all appearance... Samuel thought this man would make a great king. But the Lord told Samuel, no, I have refused this man, but the reason is not given. And then he tells Samuel that he doesn't, don't look at the boy's countenance and don't, look at, uh, don't base your opinion on the height of his stature, how tall he is. And although I believe from what we read here that this, man must have, this boy must have been tall, strong, and sturdy built, but the Lord said, no, I have refused him. Then the Lord tells Samuel, you know, Samuel, I don't see things like you do. Samuel was making his observation based primarily on physical appearance. And Samuel was thinking, yep, this looks good. Let's anoint him, get on with the sacrifice and the meal. But the Lord had other plans. And to Samuel, as the Lord talking here, but also to the church here this morning, uh, I repeat, the Lord looks at the heart. And like I mentioned earlier, the rejection for Eliab was not given, but the Lord saw something in his heart that made, that made him unfit, if I can use that word, to be the king. Something within was wrong. There was something within that needed to be dealt with. But at this point, Eliab was not going to be the leader in Israel. Jesse had eight sons. The oldest one we see here was not chosen. So the rest began to pass before Samuel until the Lord was going to reveal whom he has chosen. So next came Abinadab, the Lord said, no. Then came Shammah, the Lord said, didn't choose this either. Seven sons passed before Samuel, and the Lord said no to all of them. Then Samuel had a question for Jesse, is this all your sons? Do you have any more? And his answer was, yeah, there's one more. He's the youngest, but he's out in the, in the field taking care of the sheep. And I, I was studying this, and it's like, what? I believe that this sacrifice with Samuel, if you look at uh, back in verse 4, the entire town trembled when he walked into their presence. At the same time, Jesse said, well, this meeting is not important enough for David. We'll let him back out, out there to take care of the sheep. A couple questions there. I don't have any answers. He didn't call David to the special meeting. Maybe Jesse didn't think David was worthy of this position. Or did he think, what potential could the young shepherd boy have? The questions may come up, but the main, the main point here that we need to look at is the Lord was looking at the condition of David's heart, and the Lord was pleased with what he saw. David said, but David was called, and the, uh, Samuel was told to anoint him. He was the one that he had chosen. As, as the Lord looks at our heart condition this morning, remember we said the Lord looks at our heart? He, that's what he sees when he looks at us. As he is looking at our heart condition this morning, what does he see and is he pleased with what he sees? The eye doctor uses a chart. The Lord looks at our heart. What is the spiritual condition of my heart as well as your heart? 2020 vision, you can see a lot, but you cannot see the condition of people's hearts. We could ask the question here, well, what is the Lord looking for? And the second point I'd like to look at is internal purity. So as God looks upon the heart, and he's judging men according to their real character. 
So that's you and I this morning, each one of us here this morning. We're being judged according to our real character. So our, our great object of all should, should not be outward appearance or external accomplishments. So that's not what we should be focusing on, but rather on internal purity. Are we focusing this morning on internal purity and are we exercising such feelings that are pleasing to God? Yes, society today would say, time out. We need to focus on outward appearance and external accomplishments. What can you accomplish? Look at the sports world. Let's stop there. But that's not for the Christian. The Christian is to focus on internal purity and exercising feelings that are pleasing to God. I asked you this morning, why are you a Christian? We're here because we're looking forward to the day when we're going to take God's hand and walk through glory. But in order to get there, we've got to have right hearts today as we go throughout our life. See, God will be our final and God will be our just judge. What we, uh, and we will be judged according to our character, to the deeds that we do, to the words that we say. Derek covered it well this morning. Uh, be careful of the tongue, what you say, telling the children there, and also the actions that we do. Yes, I could hide a lot in my heart and not tell a soul what's there, but God knows. But when it comes to being judged, remember I said our real character. God looks at the heart and will be judged according to that. Nothing will be hidden. Luke 12, 2, for nothing is covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. What is in there that you cannot see is going to be made known, because God is looking directly there. So as we journey through life, our focus should not be on what, let me say this carefully, what you think of me. Okay, take that with a grain of salt. Our focus should not be on how, on my appearance towards you, neither on what I have accomplished, but there is something far more valuable than what we have done. We are to strive for internal purity. Okay, we got that. What does that mean? Meaning that your concern for the truth leads you to demonstrate integrity, honesty, and transparency. He also, Derek also talked about honesty this morning. As you go through life, and um, yes, we all know it's a little easier on Sundays, but go throughout the week. Are we demonstrating integrity in everything we do and say in our business dealings, honesty in all, and also transparency, which means I'm allowing you to see right through my heart so there's nothing here that I should be hiding. Can we see right through? As a pure person, do you, desire, you should desire a clean and a whole life that is free from corruption and compromise. Okay, I can do this because Ray is not looking, and I can do this because Zach will not see me. No, that's compromise. But are we free from corruption? So your desire to be pure leads you to avoid and resist temptations that would pollute or weaken your character. So there's a bunch of stop signs that are just flying up all over the place. And maybe they've been there in your life for years. I trust they have been. We're not going to do that. That's going to weaken my character. That temptation I will not do. That will pollute me there. That will not help me there. But we're doing things that exercise our feelings that are pleasing to God. And we're talking a little bit about character. Character refers to the sum of characteristics possessed by a person. So character refers to moral qualities, ethical standards, principles, and such like. For example, uh, a man of pure character. So what characteristics define you? So if, if I would, uh, would ask a close friend of you about your character, how would they answer? 
And so you're sitting here thinking this morning, well, let me ask one of your friends about my character. Okay, I'm going to open myself up here. Randy Nald, a friend of mine sitting back here on the right, you can find him after church and ask him what character I have, and then please come tell me what he said. Randy texted me and said, are you preaching? Uh, that's always kind of a tough question. Well, he said, yes, I am. So him and Lou are here this morning. Uh, Randy learned to know him from work. He built for us for years, and uh, yeah, there he is. Randy and all, you ask him what for character uh, qualities I possess, and then please either text me or let me know what he said. But if I would ask your close friend about your character, how would they answer? Would they say, well, Kurt, he's a man of internal purity, or put your name in there. Well, then you could say, time out, Leon. Is this even, is, is this important? Well, I, I think it is. We'll get to it in, in, a mo- in a minute, but let me just jump ahead of my notes. What did the Lord see in the heart of David? Eight brothers. And I'm sorry, he had seven brothers. Because eight, eight of Jesse had eight sons. And the Lord said, no, no, seven times. Yep, that's the one. And even dad said, well, he don't have to come to this special meeting. Just let him out there take care of the sheep. He doesn't, this doesn't apply to him. Let's not mess up his schedule. What did the Lord see in David's heart? We'll get to that in a second. <clears throat> so what would your friend's answer be? Uh, would you be a person of internal purity? That's what the Lord was looking for. And I think that's what he found in the heart of David. We are to strive for internal purity. Followed uh, or along with we exercise such feelings that are pleasing to God. So like we are talking about, the Lord sees our heart, and uh, that's where he's looking, and he's fully aware, I believe, of the content that lies within. So we're going through life today, and are we constantly working to maintain that internal inner purity? And then now we switch to our thoughts and our feelings and ask the questions. We're, we're, I mean, we're told we're encouraged to base both our thoughts and our feelings on things that please God. So if we're giving God our heart, now he's taking our, our thoughts and our feelings. He's basically asking for all of us, which we all knew. Where are, or how are we measuring up? Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2. Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. What does that tell us? He knows what we're thinking right now. He knows what we're going to be thinking tomorrow, yet we are to exercise such feelings that are pleasing to God. So he knows all about us, but he still allows us to make decisions in life. Is my thought life and, my such, and such feelings, are they pleasing to God? As you walk around tomorrow, go through your day, are you pleasing to God? We can also ask the question now, what is the Lord looking for? I found a verse, I love this verse, for the third point, perfect heart and a willing mind. And I'll take this from 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. And this is to Solomon, put your name in here. And thou, Solomon, my son, you're not my son, but your church family. And thou, put your name in there, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. And the writer gives us the reason. He says, For the Lord searches all hearts and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts. 
If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. Semicolon. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. So we're not going to focus on the, on the second part, although the facts are there. Are we searching him with a pure heart and a willing mind? Perfect heart and a willing mind. To Solomon and to each one here this morning, serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. Perfect has the meaning of being complete, just, and peaceable. Complete, just, and peaceable. Now I'll go back to the question that we had talked about earlier. If I would ask your close friends about your character, how would they answer? Would they say, well, Leonard has a perfect heart and a, and a willing mind. Again, put your name in there. Pick on some people this morning. What would your friends say about you? And yes, I'm well aware that what your friends say about you doesn't matter. The question I should be asking, what does God say about you? And I ask that, what does God see when he looks down this morning at your heart and my heart? Do we have that desire or inner drive to please the Lord with our lives, combined with a peaceable spirit, which that are signs of a perfect heart? Willing mind, what's that? Our, our, our love for God will be expressed by how? By our obedience to Him. Our love is expressed by our obedience to God. A willing mind is one that will serve the Lord entirely and cheerfully. And it's coming from a personal choice. No one, your parents are not going to force you to do that, but it's coming from a personal choice. Not from constraint, nor to gain good opinion of men, but focusing on the favor of God. But what we see here is just God wants our, our everything and our all. And I hope you notice the path that these steps are taking us on. Away from outward appearance and, in, and external accomplishments. Away from what we have done. Self. And directly into a right relationship with the God, who, holy God who sees our hearts and wants us to live in perfect harmony with him. It's such a beautiful a picture. And now with all that being said, you, the question comes up, How? And is this possible? And for another point, I'll take you to Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Is this possible? Absolutely. How? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to put him on? Maybe it's in reference for what it says in verse uh, 13, a previous verse. Let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envy. And it says that's a, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's put on decent garments. Let's make a different profession. Unite with other company, godly people, and maintain that profession as a, by suitable conduct. Is our conduct pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ? Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ signifies receiving and believing the gospel. And I trust that's where we are at this morning. It's taking the truth that we see here in his word and using it as direction for life, including having the mind of Christ. Christians, that we talk, we know we talk about so often, we are to imitate the life and the character of Christ. And that thought connects with the thought of putting on or being clothed with Christ. And what, what is the outcome? We will be holy as he is holy. And like as Jesus demonstrated, life is to be the principal characteristic, love is to be the principal characteristic of, the, of Christians as we await the return of Christ. And we know love covers a multitude of sin. So yeah, we're filling our minds with things that we should be doing this morning. Are we focusing on what is uh, the, 
the principal thing in life? Are we focusing on love one for another? And are our lives in correct relationship with God? How can we achieve this inner purity that we're talking about? And, being, and also the perfect heart and the willing mind. And it's simply put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust everyone here this morning is saying amen. That's, that's exactly where we are at this morning. And just letting the love of God flow through with us. Jesus Christ is all we need. He has, we can get wisdom there, righteousness, power, holiness. The songwriter says, our redemption, full and sure, he is all I need. Put ye on, Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh. 2020 vision cannot see what's in the heart, but the heart is what the Lord sees when he looks at you here this morning. So we're focusing on the heart, and the question could be asked, why the heart? There are 767 verses in the Bible that talk about our heart. Not all referring to what we're looking at here this morning, but what is the Lord looking for in our hearts? And I told you I'm jumping ahead. I'm going to go back. Here's what comes up in my notes. What does, did the Lord see in David's heart? And that's the question that I, I wish I could have a five-point answer for you all. What did the Lord see in David's heart? What did he see in, the other, in, the, in David's brother's heart that, said, that made him say no? And I come back to the question I asked uh, earlier. What does he see in your heart and what does he see in my heart? So for another point, the, the question I have is, do we have a true heart? And I get this from Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 23. The setting here is our, our confidence of faith, the sure, steadfast confidence that we have through Christ. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 23. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us to the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, since we have all of that, the next verse tells us, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. A true heart. The word true indicates honesty and integrity without any ulterior motive. And honesty and integrity is what we looked at earlier in reference to inner purity. So above all, we can stop here for a second. Are you a person with a true heart? Or do you possess, do you have within you honesty and are you a person of integrity? So many things that we could look at. If you think of our counsel, this inner searching, where are we at? So are we approaching God through the avenue of prayer with sincere hearts, in faith, in full assurance, free from an, uh, from an evil conscience? So in light of this open access that we have here in Hebrews 10, we're encouraged to draw near to God, to come to him intimately, to come to him frequently, to come to him with a cleansed heart, with a pure body, an undefiled conscience. Undefiled conscience. Why does he say, be ye holy for I am holy? Because that's what he wants from you and I this morning. He wants us just to be pure, not hiding anything within and open in his eyes. The council service is time to examine our hearts, a time to take precise inventory of what is within. And yes, the interesting fact is that God knows what's there even before we begin our inventory. He knows what's there before we ask, before we tell him. But will he agree that we are coming to him with a true heart? 
We talk about our mind and our feeling. Here I'd like to give you a few things to, to meditate upon for the final point, things to think on. It's uh, from a very familiar verse in Ephesians 4.8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And yes, we're living in a time with a lot of things that we could be thinking about. Narrow it down, think on these things. It tells us what to think about and what to meditate on and what to fill our hearts with. And here again, we could ask the question, okay, Leon, I understand, but why? Here's the answer, Luke 6, 45, Jesus speaking, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. Okay, a good man, good results. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. Evil produces evil, good produces good. And this is what Jesus said at the end of the verse. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. What that tell me? It says, brothers and sisters, what's in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. What is in is what will come out. So why should we dwell on these lists that I mentioned earlier? Because what is in is going to come out. As we take inventory, as we go through this process, we need to remember the Lord is looking at our hearts. He sees what is there. Are we diligently filling our hearts with things that are true, holy, just, pure, lovely, and a good report? Just think about this list just for real, real briefly here. If truth is in your heart, there's no falsehood there. If honesty is within, dishonesty is a foreign act. If your heart is just, there's no room for deceit. If your heart is pure, there's no room for filth. If your heart is lovely, there's no, if you're thinking on things that are lovely, there's no room for anything hideous. If you're a person of good report, truth will always be spoken with kindness, loyalty, and helpfulness. Virtuous speaks of moral excellence, a good quality of any kind, including a concept of being brave and strong with the ability to stand regardless of the circumstances. And praiseworthy, anything praiseworthy, are you quick to offer praise or a compliment for anything that deserves an encouraging word. Yeah, I know I, I said a lot in a few minutes here, but I, as, as I was studying, uh, I got to another <clears throat> thought, and that was this. I wish I could have had the opportunity to talk to David, and maybe even before Samuel anointed him king. Why before? Because afterwards, the Spirit of God came upon David from that day forward, and I asked the question again, forgive me for the repeating, what did the Lord see in David's heart that said, that is the man is going to be, my next, be the next king of Israel? And we could spend hours going through what David accomplished, not that we're looking for external accomplishment, but what David did with the Lord's help. And what you and I can do when we are led and governed by the Lord. Great things. Saul was David's enemy, we know that. And Saul searched him for, I can safely say, months with no intent other than death. And finally, David had opportunities to return the, 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 uh, the thought. And all he did, he went into the cave that one night and he just cut a little bit of uh, material off of Saul, Saul's clothing and his heart was smitten because of it. There you see, and also we know David's a man after God's own heart. But this morning, are you a man and a woman after God's own heart? Are you recognizing, understanding, and realizing that the Lord looks at what is in our heart? What did the Lord see in David's heart that got his attention? 
what did the Lord see? And is it different from what he sees in our hearts today? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. As you take counsel, inventory of your heart, a few things just to, the points to go over again. We need to remember that the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord sees your entire heart. Not like my cousin just sees parts of it. He sees it all. Or do we striving? Are we striving for internal purity? Are we a person with a perfect heart and a willing mind? Have we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we a person that has true hearts? And are we thinking on the things that we saw there in Philippians 4.8? Things that are pleasing to God. In closing, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you here this morning. Just thank you, God, for instruction in your word and the example that we see there how you uh, led Samuel to David because of what was in his heart and I pray Lord for every heart that's here this morning mine included that when you search us and you know what is there that you can find hearts that have internal purity perfect hearts and willing minds you can find people who have put on you the Lord Jesus Christ you can find true hearts and you can find hearts that are thinking on things that are true and lovely and virtuous. God, just lead us and direct us. Help us, Lord, to be willing to purge out impurity so that we can have that pure heart and we can look forward to the glory gates that we were singing about. We can look forward to that wonderful day when you will take us by the hand and lead us through that promised land. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for us and help us to serve you faithfully. Give us wisdom. Give us direction. Show us your will, your way. May we be humble servants of yours during your will. It's in your name we pray. Amen.